Hi, this is Dr. MJ coming to you from beautiful Boston, Massachusetts. This is the Women in Dentistry podcast where we feature women in dentistry making waves and leading the industry through the next decade. I am your host, Dr. Mary Jane Hanlon, a former dental assistant, dental hygienist, and now dentist. I'm very pleased to introduce you today to Ms. Lacey Phillips. Lacey discovered at an early age her true passion for speaking and entertaining audiences. As a founding partner at Practice Dynamics, she combines her knowledge of dentistry with passion for teams to deliver customized coaching, workshops, and speaking events throughout the country. Lacey began her road to coaching as a chairside assistant while going to college to pursue a dream of one day having her own talk show. While working her way to the business side of dentistry, she was fortunate to learn from top industry professionals. The experiences gained on this journey gives her unique insight into the technology and business side of dentistry. The experience of working in high-tech offices as well as high-end cosmetic practices has instilled in her the passion and the knowledge to coach dental teams on their journey to excellence. Balancing coaching dental teams and her speaking career is a dream come true. Each time she takes the stage, her passion for dentistry and the dental team comes to life in her words and the lessons she teaches. Practice Dynamics specializes in teaching teams to reach their goals through balance-driven success using systems, teams, and technology. It is indeed my pleasure now to bring you to my interview with Ms. Lacey Phillips. Lacey, I am so excited to have you on the show. As you know, we met and we immediately connected. You've got that bigger than life personality and I loved you from the moment that I, I met you and goodness gracious, what you've been doing in dentistry has been incredible. So. I want you to start out just by telling us a little bit about your story, how you got into dentistry, what you're doing today, and then we'll go into some questions down the road. I love it. Well, first and foremost, thank you so much for thinking of me and thank you for doing this. I mean, I, I love the concept. I love the questions that you're asking. I love where your heart is and that um, it's kind of, I feel like where we are in life right now, right? We look back and we see all of the amazing mentors and the women, the strong women we had in our lives. And we look back and say, it's time for us to give back. And that's what you're doing. And I so appreciate you inviting me to be a part of that because I literally developed a, a brand new course this last year that is exactly what this is about. It's called Living Your Ruby Red Life. And it's all about getting back to home you know, getting back to the place that you feel the most comfortable, where was your passion? And, and um, so I love that you're doing this. And I love that you're giving back. I will try not to make this an hour conversation about my background. No, um, I was born and raised in northern New Mexico on a farm. I have a dad that's from the old country. He's a cowboy. I grew up in Wranglers and Boots on a farm and everything that's on the property, my dad, my sister, and I built. So I had a work ethic instilled in me from a very, very young age. You know, you got up and you made your bed before you left your room and you worked and you worked hard. And my dad just turned 79 three weeks ago and he still works every single day. So I just grew up with that work ethic that no matter what you worked and you provided and you took care. So when I was 
I kind of came out of the womb talking. That probably doesn't surprise anybody who knows me. From a very <laughs> early age, I wanted to entertain. And uh, I mean, one kind of funny story, I'll make it quick, is we, I live in a small town. We have 6,000 people. We're in a small rural area and we know everybody. And I remember when I was young, my mom came outside and she said, Lacey, Sheriff Brown is running for reelection and he wants to know if you'll be in his commercial. And I said, do I get to sing? And do I get to dance? <laughs> and she said, no, I think you're just going to sit on his lap. But I was like, whatever. <laughs> so, I mean, I just kind of always, I, it just was never a problem for me being in front of crowds and talking. So uh, about eighth grade, I told my parents if I could figure out how to get somebody to pay me to talk, my life would be complete. And probably in high school, I told them I was going to go to college. And then I was going to, when I graduated, I was going to go to New York City because it's my favorite city in the whole place. I just think it's so cool that I was going to go to New York City and, and I was going to go find Barbara Walters and she was going to love me and I was going to have my own talk show. Oh, like another Oprah and another Barbara. Love Barbara, it. yeah, absolutely. It was all Barbara, man. And so I went to New Mexico State University in Las Cruces. I was majoring in broadcast journalism and I applied for a medical receptionist position in a medical office and a dentist called me. <laughs> that should have been my first clue, right? And so he's I like, how did you get my name and number? And he said, well, you applied at my buddy's office. We're friends. We share resumes. Right now, he doesn't need that position, but I do. So I was wondering if you would want to come be my chair side assistant. And I was like, no, I don't want to be a chair side assistant. And we had this really funny conversation on the phone. He was very persistent. I said, I know nothing about dentistry. He said, I will train you. I'll do everything you need. And I said, well, I'm going to college. And he said, what are your hours? And I said, eight to noon. He said, okay, be here at one and you can work the afternoon shift. And I was like, no, seriously, I, I don't want to. But so I showed up, he hired me immediately. He started me at $5 an hour. Oh my gosh. I know. Told me when I got my coronal polishing, he'd give me a 50 cent raise. And when I got my x-ray certification, he'd give me a 50 cent raise. So I, that was in 1992. That's how I started. That was my dental start. And to be completely honest with you, I was a terrible chairside assistant. <laughs> Why? Because you wanted to talk to everybody? That, and you know, it really requires kind of focus and you have to sit and you have to pay attention and you have to be one step ahead of the doctor and have everything that the doctor needs. And you've got to be listening so that you can document the conversations that are taking place. And yeah, I was, I was 22 and I wasn't into dentistry and I was terrible, but I was a great employee because I showed up every single day. I did, you know, the work and I was personable. So they promoted me. I always say that they promoted me to the business office. And that's kind of where I found my niche because I, I was a people person. I could talk to people. I could answer the phone. I could talk to insurance representatives. And, um, you know, long story short, I married my high school sweetheart. We moved to Phoenix, Arizona, and I went to work for a dentist who at the time was on the speaking circuit. And he, immediately kind of just started picking up on the fact that I love to speak and I should back up just a little bit in high school 
I was Little Miss FFA. I was FFA everything, and I competed in speech. I competed in extemporaneous public speaking. Um, I was an FFA state officer. What's FFA? Future Farmers of America. Ah. I, was a, I was a little farm girl. And so I traveled all over speaking. So I kind of already was doing the speaking thing. So went to Phoenix, went to work for a dentist who was on the speaking circuit, started working his speaking engagements, kind of started consulting with him a little bit. And in 2004, I finally left dental, the actual dental practices. I went to work for a company. It was a brand new company just getting started in their garage. It was called Paperless Technologies. And it was amazing. It was still to this day, one of the coolest pieces of technology I've ever seen. In 2004, MJ, get this, they had a tablet and they integrated with Dentrix. So when a new patient walked through the door, they handed the patient the tablet, the patient would hand write their information on the tablet, it converted it to text and it put it back into the data fields in Dentrix. Oh, wow. 2004. What happened? It was amazing. So I actually left the dental practice I flew myself to Denver, went to their garage and said, how are you guys going to put this out? And they said, well, we don't know yet. And I said, well, you should hire me as your national sales director and I'll create regions and I'll get regional sales directors. Each one of them will have independent contractors and we'll just spread out all over the country. And so I worked for them until the money ran out. And unfortunately, they um, didn't get angel funding or anything. They were trying to do everything on their own. And the money eventually ran out. I was kind of one of the last ones standing with them. But I mean, nothing but love for those guys. They were so ahead of their time. It was uh, still to this day, I look at some of the technology and I'm like, wow, I wish they would have been able to get funding because it was cool. I know. That's too bad. I actually went to SCN. When I was working for the dentist in Phoenix, I went to SCN for him. Actually, he got invited to go and he didn't want to. So he sent me. And I still say to this day was the worst mistake he ever made because I went to SCN. Linda Miles owned it at the time. I went to SCN and I just immediately was like, my people. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. What year did you go? My very first year going, I believe, was it was either 2002 or 2003 was my very first year. Oh, my gosh. I was there. Really? Yeah, I was there. I only went one time and I was there. Yeah, I went once. They invited me back again, of course. I did the spotlight on speaking the next time I went and I won. And then, you know, I just got some, uh, Catherine Itell has been a mentor of mine forever. I mean, she's just amazing, but I just started, you know, building contacts, making contacts and meeting people. And in, I want to say 2006, 2007, I called Lois Banta because I knew her from SCN and I told her that paperless technologies had, you know, the money wasn't there anymore. And I kind of would like to get into consulting and speaking. And if she heard of anybody who was hiring to please keep me in mind and Lois on the phone right then and there said, I'll hire you. So I went to work for Lois and I worked for her for five years. It was amazing. Great. So much experience, great knowledge. And then in the summer of 2012, Bonnie Pugh and I founded Practice Dynamics 
which we still have to this day. We have coaches across the United States and we go into offices. We help them become more effective and efficient with the systems, teams, and technology that they already have in place. We just kind of help them tweak it and make them the most effective and efficient that they can possibly be. And then of course, as you know, I, my main passion, my gig is getting on that stage and, and still speaking. And you're so good at it. Thank you. Oh my gosh. It's my heart, man. You can tell. I mean, you just get up there and not only are you beaming from ear to ear, but you cannot contain your energy. It's so bigger than it is bigger than life. I mean, it just is amazing. You you have such command. And you know, there's never a moment where, you know, something funny or a quip doesn't just come to you and and you got the place just cracking up laughing so well thank you thank you it's amazing talent really amazing talent i appreciate i i love it i truly do i can't imagine a time when i would say no to a speaking engagement (laughs) but you know what how you know how true is it that when somebody is following their passion and working it's not work it's just who you are and it's such a big part of you that it just it just comes out and it's not work and i know that because you can just tell the passion just fuels you it gives you what you need in this whole topic that you and i are talking about in perseverance and women and finding your passion and finding your your home you know i was working for that dentist in phoenix and we were going to lvi big lvi dentist and we were going to we were driving because lvi was only four hours away from phoenix and so we were driving and i was uh, a chairside assistant at the time again and uh not perfect fit but no 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 no. and we're driving and we're in suburbans and i'm in one suburban and there's i don't know six or eight other team members in there. And I said, okay, let's play a game. Let's play a game. Let's go around the suburban and everybody say like, if I could wave a magic wand and you could wake up tomorrow and the rest of every single day and you could do this, like, don't worry about mortgage providing for your family. Like, what is it that you would do every single day for the rest of your life? Let's go around the suburban. So we like, this took hours, right? And we went around the suburban and everybody was kind of talking about what their childhood dream was and what they would do. And I was the last one, it got around to me and everybody's like, all right, Lacey, what is it that you would do? And this whole time everybody was talking, I literally was going, crap, what happened to my talk show? Like. Yeah. I'm a terror side because you know, you life happens, right? Yep. I married my high school sweetheart. We moved to Phoenix. We had two amazing kids. I was still in the dental industry. All of a sudden you're young. You're trying to figure out how to put, you know, shoes on the kids and diapers and get them to school and do all this stuff. And you just end up all of a sudden 15 years fast forward. And you're like, Hmm, where'd that time go? Yeah. I remember sitting in that suburban listening to all these women talk and I'm thinking to myself, what the heck happened to my talk show? And that's when the wheels started turning. You know, that's when I thought, okay, how do I still make this happen? How do I take these years of experience in the dental industry? And that's, you know, that's where SCN came into play. And that's where, you know, just taking little nuggets here and there and networking. And then eventually, you know, I say this all the time from the stage, I tell people, 
welcome to my talk show because I have it now. So every time I take the stage, every time I do a webinar, you know, a podcast like this, there's my talk show. So sometimes you've got to take that life that you've built for yourself and still make it everything that you want it to be because everybody has the power to do that. Absolutely. It's like repackaging it and making it what you want it to be. And you did, you created it. Yeah. I mean, it was a process. It wasn't like overnight. I'm 50 now. So it was certainly a process, but I, all of a sudden, like I said, I created this course because I thought, I know there's other women out there who we've become mothers, we become wives, we maybe we're helping taking care of elderly parents. And, and there's a part of you that's missing, even though the children fulfill us, the marriage fulfill us, you know, our job, but there's a part still that's going, I had a dream once too, you know, there was, there was something burning inside of me before all these other responsibilities came along and genetically, we are caregivers. That's what we do. And we start taking care of everybody else. And then this little piece of us, we still have to nurture. So it's about finding that even after all of the years. You know, mine hit me at 35 when I realized I wasn't probably ever going to have more kids. And I, I had my daughter. I said, you know what? I had always wanted to go to dental school. I went to hygiene school and had been practicing 15 years. And I said, I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm just going to take the exam. I'm going to apply and see if I can get in. And sure enough, because go back 12 years, 13 years before that, you know, I had all the applications filled out. I put them on my bed because I didn't have enough confidence to send them. So I always wanted to go and I just didn't do it. And so I just said, okay, I'm just going to do this. No harm, no foul. If I don't get in, I don't get in, but at least I have tried. I got into both of the schools. Obviously I was married and, and had a small daughter at the time, but I went and I had to tell everybody on Thanksgiving that I was going to dental school. That gives me goosebumps. I love that. Yeah, because nobody knew. And, you know, fortunately I did tell my husband at the time that I was going to go and his response was, oh, my dead body. And I went, well, you're dying because I'm going. So <laughs> On board to or, yeah, it's totally up to you. <laughs> Either you're with me or you're not totally okay. Either way, it's okay. And um, uh, sure enough, I, I was really worried about my dad because, you know, I, my daughter was only five and I was worried that, you know, he's kind of old fashioned. I was worried he was going to be upset with me that, you know, I was going to leave her and go back to school. And so I finished telling everybody and I then immediately look at my dad and I, I see him and he smiles and he says, well, it's about time, Mary Jane, you've been talking about it since you were 13 years old. I love it. You know, it was, it was such a, you know, at that moment in time, I realized, okay, I got this. I know I can yep. do this. And it's an amazing thing when we do follow that passion because all the blocks fall into place, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. And it's incredible. I mean, it really is incredible that, you know, the things that we want, that burning in our heart, I guess, is, is you know, the best way to describe it, never goes away. It keeps prompting us and hitting us in the back and saying, you wanted to do this. You wanted to do this. Why are you doing it? And we keep resisting because we keep thinking that we have all these responsibilities when in fact, our life would be so much more enjoyable and joyous 
if we got up every day doing exactly what it was that we wanted to do, you know? You know, in 2012, Lois Snow, I appreciated, you know, everything that she had taught me and everything, but I was going to be leaving Banta Consulting. I separated from my high school sweetheart, 26 years, and Bonnie and I founded practice. So literally within four months, I quit my job, my husband and I separated, and I started a brand new business. But you know what? I It's exactly what you said. Sometimes you have to go, mm, some of these things are not fitting. Are not fitting anymore. Nope. Nope. And how great is it now? Oh, it's heaven. So all of that, that we, the angst that we feel, and I think this is a, a critically important thing too, to share with the audience is all that angst we feel is nothing more than fear trying to cripple us. And if we can just get a handle on that and push it aside and just take even the smallest step, you know, writing something out that you want to do, you know, deciding on what your purpose is, deciding on your why, anything, just one small step. And if you do that every single day, those steps just culminate. And all of a sudden you look around, you say, oh my God, I'm doing it. You know, you know what the other thing I say all the time is, is I do this exercise and I've kind of started it with other people too, is what's the word, like the absolute worst possible thing that could happen. Like, let's make a list of all of the absolute, like, seriously, let's go crazy. What is the worst possible thing that could happen? Let's write it down. And then let's start saying the positives outside of that, because that's absolutely, and, and it is, it's almost that the unknown and the fear, the fear that this giant thing could possibly happen. So let's just, let's say it out loud. Let's say it out loud. Let's write it down. Let's face it. And then let's go outside of it and start talking about what are the other things that could happen outside of this absolutely worst possible thing, because the worst possible thing that could happen is never as bad as we actually think it is. Absolutely. Words to my soul. Absolutely. You know, we ne it is never as bad as we make it out to be. Our mind just can go a buck 10 into that negative space so quickly. And yet none of it ever comes. It's the fear of the unknown. And one of my favorite sayings, Bonnie taught me it. And we, we talk about this all the time. I think it came from Brene Brown actually is to lean into the discomfort because there, there's so much, there's conversations that we avoid personally, professionally. That's why conflict happens in the office all the time. And I always say it doesn't have to be conflict. It has to be a conversation, but it doesn't have to be conflict. And when you lean into that discomfort, and you face that worst possible thing that could possibly happen, it's not as bad as it seems like it is. No, no. And you know, I, I find too that, that many times, if we are just true with what we say and how we feel, instead of avoiding it, we can deal with so many things that in a more efficient and effective way than pussyfooting around the bush, right? You know. I know that, that people don't like direct personalities. Some people love it. I love it. I absolutely <laughs> I love it. And that's one direct person to another speaking. But you never have to worry about where people are coming from. You'll know. And you'll know if I'm upset. You'll know if I'm, I'm disappointed that, that something didn't accomplish, get accomplished that I wanted you to do. 
you know, I set my expectations out front. I make sure my team knows exactly what, what I'm expecting them to do. And when they don't do it, okay, no harm, no foul, but how are we going to rectify this? Absolutely. And I find myself, uh, you might be like this as well. Almost as soon as the words come out of my mouth, I'm over it. Like, let's discuss it. Let's have an honest conversation about it. And then let's figure out how to fix it. Like, I don't, I don't hold grudges. I don't hold on to things for days. I also don't stay mad because it's exactly what you said. If I'm, if I'm angry, if I'm upset, people know, <laughs> but, then, but then let's, let's move on. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, that's not everybody's cup of tea and that's okay. But what would you rather, you know, like a misunderstanding or, you know, uh, massaging the information? No, I'd rather have a deep cut than 5 million paper cuts, right? Or just not dealing with it at all. And then 500 other problems arise from it because the root issue has never been talked about. It's never been dealt with. Exactly. Exactly. So today you spend your day with consultants all over the country working with practices. You specifically developing content or are you consulting still yourself? I'm still consulting at this point. As a matter of fact, Bonnie and I go to um, Chicago next week to work with the neurosurgery practice that we absolutely love. Are you flying? Yes. Good for you. Heck yeah, I am. Absolutely. But we're developing content as well. So Bonnie and I just finished a three-year labor of love. We wrote a, an SOP manual and it's very, very comprehensive. The foundation of the SOP manual is 266 pages. And that's before we add specific text, screenshots, or pictures from each individual office. But it is literally, you know, where do you park? Which door do you come in? What's the alarm system? Here's the layout of the office. You know, it has ownership, HR, administrative, business scheduling, clinical, oh, financial insurance, clinical, tray setup, sterilization, every single procedure that's done in an office, hygiene, soft tissue management, verbal skills, and marketing. So it is comprehensive and we're every single day, you know, it's a living, breathing document. So we're still developing content for that. Um, currently building a lot of SOPs for dentists across the United States, which is crazy, but COVID made a lot of people realize they don't have anything documented. They don't have any, they, we all have systems, but they're not organized. They're not good. And they're not written down and you don't know if something happens to a staff member, you know, they get hit by a bus on the way home from school. God yes. forbid. Right. You know, who's going to run that, that show when, when they're gone, because that person knew everything. We get screenshots from the software. So whatever software you're using, we get screenshots and show So if you need to enter a payment, you click here, you click here, this is what you do. You click here and here's how you print a receipt, you know? So it's exactly that. If somebody doesn't show up today to work, but the job still has to get done, here's a digital uh, document that you can literally click on and go to it and figure out how to do it. Right. I've spent the last, well, I, I got to Tufts eight years ago and there was none of that. There's no policies in, written down. There is no, no database for any of that stuff. And, you know, that's only eight years ago. You would think that a big company or educational institution would have that, but 
you know, they didn't. And it's just like every private practice out there. People just don't get around to doing it. So it was one of the first things I did. Yeah. I did a webinar for the ADA for Nanette. I did a webinar in April and it was all about the SOP manuals. And I had 4,400 attendees on this webinar. Oh my gosh, Lacey, that's amazing. <laughs> they were like, holy cow. So a lot of people are like, yeah, we don't have this. We need it. So that was actually, that was Is nice. the employee manual part of it too? What you teach? So the, the state laws, we don't do state laws. Okay. But everything else we do. So we even, we have conflict management. We have um, self-evaluation, employee evaluation. We have request time off. We have, you know, everything but individual state laws is in it. Wow. That's, that's, that is a labor of love. Good for you. That's amazing. <laughs> so are on the road, how often, and do your kids still live nearby or, or it, you know, obviously they must be older by this point. So I am on the road when I want to be on the road. What I love working for ourselves is I get the opportunity to say yes and no to jobs and to book around the schedule. So this year, my son was a senior in high school. I took almost the entire fall off. I did two speaking engagements the entire fall season because it was football and, and we're a big football family and it was our last football season and then I went back to work in January and I had more speaking engagements booked January through June this year than I ever have in my entire life. And I went to the first three, went to a client's office that night when we left the client's office, all hell broke loose in the United States. And then I just started seeing my speaking engagements going ding, 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 ding. And they all got canceled after that. So did you do a lot, some of them virtually though? Some of them, some of them I did. Yeah, I've done a ton of webinars as I'm sure everybody else has. So I, my daughter is 21 on Sunday. She is oh, attending the university. Birthday. Thank you. The University of New Mexico. She is going to be a senior. She finished her junior year with a 3.9. And her major is wildlife science with a minor in marine biology. So she's amazing. She's my, she's my little driven, focused, sassy pants. And my son is, like I said, a senior this year in high school. He will be attending New Mexico State University in the fall. He is going into their fire science program. He wants to be a first responder. Wonderful, wonderful. Oh my gosh. Your son is very handsome. Obviously, I've seen many pictures of him on Facebook. <laughs> gosh, you know, I, I enjoy that time in my life when my daughter, so my daughter skated and, and, uh, we traveled actually all over the world because she skated at the world level and like I skate synchronized skating, which most people oh, don't know wow. what that is. It's a group of 20 women on the ice at the same time. It's kind of like seeing the rockets on the ice. Wow. Everything is nice. And uh, it used to be called precision skating, but now they call it synchronized skating. It's still not an Olympic sport. You know, it's a girl sport and Ugh, it just, you know, drives you nuts, the Olympic committees, but whatever. We had an unbelievable time. It was a family event. We always uh, traveled with her when, whenever she went abroad. That's one of the ways I got introduced to business. And I ran the organization for nine years. We started the organization with three skating teams. By the time I left, we had 11. Wow. We had 
I don't know how many national championships. By the time I was done, we had surpassed 29 national championships. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah, pretty incredible coach. And she retired the day that I took over the organization. She told me, she said, oh, by the way, you need to replace me by next year because I'm retiring. And I went, oh my God, how do we replace the most successful coach in the United States? Well, we found this amazing young woman, 25 years old from Finland, and she came in, took right off right where uh, the other coach and has continued to compete at the world level. And for the first time, two years after she got into the United States, they got a world medal. So, you know, pretty incredible story. So, but I remember the passion you do all of that with, and I'll just prepare you. It's kind of sad when it's over. So, you know, you miss it. I'm sure it will be. I think um, it's kind of crazy. I've, I've read like three books in the last three weeks because now I, 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 I'm booster is over. Graduation is over. Project graduation is over. And, and I thought, well, this is, this is different just sitting down and, and reading and not like having to take care of everybody in the country. And so I'm sure that I, I have no doubt I will miss it, but I also have big plans to go travel and go play and not just go places for work anymore. So good for you. Good for you. All right. So what's the single best piece of advice you've ever gotten in your career? To be myself. Ah, very good. To be one. myself because, and, and here's why, I mean, I think people say that, but here's the thing. I'm not for everybody. In my younger days, I, I mean, I've settled, I've settled in my younger days. I was very loud, uh, somewhat obnoxious at times. I, my filter was almost nothing. And I know that I know that I'm not for everybody, but I, I have a message and I, I'm a, I have a great heart and I'm a good person. And I, you know, sometimes you have to remember that is that, I'm not for everybody and that's okay. I'm still going to be me. I mean, people have tried to change my hair, change the clothes that I wear. I had one actually who I considered a dear friend said to me once, you know, you're always so much fun. And we love, if we're going to have a party, we absolutely want you there. And we love being around you, but I'm not sure I would send you into one of my clients offices. Cause you're just a bit. And I thought to myself, Hmm. Hmm. Okay. For a long time, I thought, oh, I better calm down. I better, you know, chill out. And then I got to thinking, no, that's okay if you don't send me into your client offices because they probably, I'm not for them, you know? And typically when somebody sees me on the stage, that's a pretty good indication of who I am. And if you feel like I'd be a good fit in your practice or my coaching would work, then that's great. But this is me. It's who I am. I'm not going to change. Yeah. And good for you, because I think that, you know, women in general give that piece of themselves up and, you know, are the quiet girl, are the, the submissive person in a relationship, you know, may allow other people to make decisions on their behalf. And you should never do that. You know, we need to, we need to stand up for ourselves and stand up for who we are and what we believe in. And, and it's okay that not everybody likes you. I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to fit into that mold. Right. And then, and really, if you look at the dental industry as a whole, if you really step back and look at it, it's a very conservative industry. And when I started, it was 80% women, but yet none in the leadership role. 
it was it was all very much still men who were dentists or the owners of the practice and you hired all women but we were very much expected to look a certain way sound a certain way now that's not to say that we shouldn't be professional when we're in a dental practice and we shouldn't hold ourselves accountable and be professional but what i'm saying is it was still a very conservative like i loved and i still love animal prints i wore animal prints all the time and and the big you know texas hair and and i you know you probably shouldn't wear that to work or maybe you know your skirt is maybe too straight or and i just i don't know that i agree with that anymore i mean yes no open-toed shoes and yes we should dress appropriately and respectfully but i think when you really start looking at somebody else's personality and telling them how to be exactly then that's probably not where we should be and now our industry has even more women and more women who are in the leadership role which is nice and, but you know for a long time i i was like man i am a kind of the wild child in this very conservative industry and even getting on the speaking circuit you know there were mostly male dentists who were speaking and here I was, I started on the speaking circuit, like at 36, I'm not a dentist. I'm not a hygienist. You know, I don't have any really great initials behind my name. Although I used to tell people just put W O W behind my, those will be my initials. Like, wow. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. And it was different. You know, it would, um, a couple of times they put me up on a stage with a full male dental panel. And here I was talking about technology with a, with a bunch of male dentists and I don't care. I was talking technology. So I, I think that we have to, we have to find our place. We have to, and, and just always hold on to that and don't let that go. No. And take your stand and, and just stand in who you are and believe in yourself enough. Absolutely. Obviously you wouldn't get to where you are unless you could do it. So be proud and, and take that stage. What do you think helped you the most to get to where you are today? My work ethic, mm. my work ethic, my tenacity, my just, you know, I had a family to raise. And when I divorced, I was very much a single mom for a long time. I had to hire a nanny and still traveling and you work, you provide, you work and you do, you know, integrity is big to me. If I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And I expect the same of others tenacity, you know, just kind of a little bulldog. Once I get my teeth around something, I probably won't let it go. Yeah, but that's good. <laughs> Who do you think has made the most impact on your life? I know you talked about your dad, but is there somebody else that might have? Well, I would absolutely say my children, you know. Um, I know, I know, because we do everything. I mean, isn't that, our whole world revolves around them. I know exactly what you mean. And if, if I had started talking about my daughter, I would do the same thing. Cause it's just that emotion that moms carry. I don't know that anybody else can describe it unless they are there. And there's so many different things. Like I want them to be proud of me. I want them to be 
proud of their mom. I want them to be respectful. I want them to grow up to be functioning human beings in this, in this society that we have now. I want them to have their own mindset, but yet have it be a good mindset. I want them to work hard. I, so if all of these things I expect of my children, I have to be, I have to be those things. I want to teach them, you know, empathy and I want to teach them how to love unconditionally and to give second, third and fourth chances. And, you know, I look at these two human beings and everything I want them to be, I, I have to be a reflection of that. You know, they keep me honest. They keep me grounded. My family, I'm very close to my family. My dad is a big part of my life. My sister is a big part of my life, you know, and of course, Bonnie. I mean, honestly, professionally, my business partner, best friend, Bonnie, has had a tremendous effect on my life. She's brilliant. I mean, she's just so smart. And she's one of the people in my life who, as long as I've known her, have said, you're smart too. You know, and that's nice for women to hear because I think there's a part of every single woman who there's so many parts of us, but we want to be smart. You know, we want to be respected. We want to not, and, and for so long, I've been the life of the party and the loud one and the voice and all that. But when somebody looks at me and says, damn, you're smart. I'm thinking. Now you get it. Now you get it. Yeah. Yeah. Now you get who I am. I had a father that was a workaholic too. And you know, the one thing that I shared with another guest on the show was that you know, he never had to tell us to work hard. He just showed us by example. So, you know, I think that when you have that kind of a leader in your family life, that you don't know any other way, because that's just the way it's going to be. And there's nothing, no talking about it. There's no discussing it. Get up, you make your bed, you go outside, you weed the garden, you know, you rake the leaves, blah, 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 blah. You know, whatever the, the chore of the day is, and there was no guff, there was no nothing, and don't no talking back. So, you know, it was just expected, and that was the way we ran the ship. And, you know, it's amazing what we can learn without anybody ever saying a word. Well, when COVID hit and the speaking engagement started dropping, and then I was like, hmm, I wonder if we're going to lose clients. I thought I did the, okay, what's the worst possible thing that could happen? I would not have any speaking engagements and no clients. But the best thing is, I still know how to dig ditches. I know how to mow lawns. I know like if I needed to weld, I probably could. It's been a really long time. You know, so I'm like, I can work. I can still work. I'm capable. I can still work and I'll go out and make something happen until we get back to business and dentistry. And you know, luckily, thank goodness, none of those things happen. My, uh, my old fat butt would have gotten shaped real fast if I had to go out and start <laughs> mowing lawns and digging ditches. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. It really is. <laughs> what do you think is the biggest obstacle that you've overcome in your, your life or your career? I don't know. I mean, life happens and you just deal with it, right? Yeah, but some people, you know, truly have obstacles and then other people reframe those obstacles and look at them as opportunities for either improvement or doing something else with their life. So, you know, if nothing's coming to mind, you obviously haven't had an obstacle that confronted you that made you stop and 
do something different, you know? So I think that's wonderful. I've had trad, I mean, like hardcore tragedy in my life, but you don't, but that doesn't stop life. No, you're right. And you still have to, you still have to go and you still have to do, and I still have to provide. And, um, I guess maybe the biggest obstacle is probably myself sometimes would be the biggest obstacle. I was just thinking about that on my walk home. I was just thinking about that, that most people don't realize they're the biggest obstacle. They're the, the biggest reason why they're not successful. Yeah. I mean, I'm only responsible. I'm only responsible for myself and I'm not, I mean, my kids, but I'm not as responsible for them anymore. Right. So I think, I think that whatever happens, you just, you have to decide, do, you know, is this going to be the thing that breaks me? And it's not. Yeah, exactly. That's great. That's great. When you reflect back on who you were as a young girl, do you think you had a lot of confidence right from the very beginning? Or is that something that you grew into? Yeah, no, I think I pretty much came out like this. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. So part of your innate personality, which is great. Yeah, I, I mean, I have an older sister and we've had these conversations. We, we were raised by the exact same two people in the exact same environment. And she's even asked me, you know, where, where did this come from? And I'm like, I don't, I have different mirrors in my house than most people have, because I, I just, I have a vision of myself. I know who I am. And sometimes I walk past the mirror and I'm like, who changed the mirror? Like <laughs> that's like a circus mirror for fat people. Like what <laughs> happened to that mirror? That's not what I look like. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's awesome. I'm a size four. What the hell happened to that mirror? <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. Love it. Love it. I love it. I love it. I don't know. This is me. And this is the only person I've ever known. Like, this is the only me I've ever known. And I kind of dig me. And I've said that my whole life. I just, I kind of dig me. And when I don't dig me, that's when it's time for me to change. Like when I get on my own nerves, <laughs> then it's time for a change. And believe me, over the years, I've changed. You know, I took the disc personality listening thing back in the 90s. And I was a super high I imagine that I mean, just like off the charts, I, but close to a D. And the last time I took it, I was a D, like off the edge hanging off the edge D. So yeah, there were some things about myself that annoyed me and bugged me. So I just became a better a better version of me, you know, and I can honestly say there's a lot of people in my life. I observe, I watch, I listen to, and those aspects of what I admire so much about those people. I know I can have that too. So do I completely change myself to be other people? No, but I find things about other people that I respect and admire. It's because I know that I want to have that in me too. Like Catherine Itell is a perfect example for me. I call her the Grace Kelly of, of the dental industry. She's just so elegant and graceful and she speaks slower, but she gets her point across and she's graceful. And you know, most of my life, 
I've been like this. And so <laughs> I'm like, okay, there are times when I want to make a point when I need to get my point across that it's okay to slow down and to talk, you know, more quiet and people lean in when you do that and they listen intently. And so, you know, those are the things that when we admire somebody and somebody else, we adapt to those things. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Is there anyone in dentistry today that inspires you? Absolutely. I love Linda Miles. I mean, I I met her, gosh, um, 2002, maybe. I think that's when I went, either 2002 or 2003. Yeah, and she's just, she's a hoot to talk to, first of all. Her stories are amazing, but still her knowledge and the respect that she has in our industry is, is so admirable, you know? And I just think I'm still, I, I think I'm close to 30 years behind her, you know? So that's cool. I, I mentioned her a couple of times, Catherine Itell, absolutely 100%. Bonnie inspires me. Bonnie makes me want to be a better person. You know, I, I enjoy her very much. There are some amazing women in the industry and then there's some of those men that i kind of dig too you know <laughs> some of the guys some of the guys like john stamper and chris carson innovators innovators oh my god i love their minds jordan his photography i just those those boys like i love those boys yeah i think we all hit them off uh, we all realize that right away they're an amazing group to be with Mike Buckner, I think, uh, I don't know if, if everybody on here knows Mike Buckner, but I tell you what, we haven't even seen the best part of that guy yet. He's going to do, he's going to do great things in his life. So what does he do work on? Mike works for Weave. I met Mike when he went to work for Solution Reach. Oh yeah. As a matter of fact, I met Mike the, the year that I was getting a divorce. I met him at, um, in San Antonio at a convention and he was going through a divorce and we immediately uh, just became instant friends. But the guy is so charismatic and he's a natural born speaker and he's super smart. And we, we haven't seen that. We haven't even seen him really hit his mark yet. So I look forward to, to watching him grow and he's a, he's a lot younger. So it's kind of fun for me to look back on that stage and, and go, mm, this will be fun. You know, this will be fun. Fun to watch, right? And see him develop. Absolutely. All right. So have you had an aha moment where you realized you were doing exactly what you were meant to do, living your purpose? Every time I hit the stage. Unbelievable. Every time I hit the stage. I will give you, uh, I will give you one really big aha for me. So let's see if I can get through it without crying. In uh, December of 2017, there was a shooting at my son's high school. Oh. Oh. And I'm not going to go into big detail, but my son was in the classroom that received the most damage and he had to hide in a supply closet for hours. And um, I wasn't home. I was in Salt Lake City at a conference. And it happened first thing in the morning, eight o'clock in the morning, and he's texting me and uh, from a closet, hiding in a storage closet for his life as bullets are coming through the wall. And I probably will never forgive myself for not being home on that day because I've traveled since he was six months old. And after, you know, in the weeks preceding following that, I 
questioned myself a lot and I questioned whether or not I would continue doing what I do. I was, whether or not I would continue speaking and traveling for a living and leaving the house that I just felt like I had to be home now. And, um, Chicago midwinter, Teddy, Chicago was my first speaking engagement after the shooting. And I really did not want to leave my house. I did not want to leave my son. I don't want to leave the house. I had a lot of trepidation. I was having a hard time and I wasn't into it. I just wasn't into it. And I got up on the stage the first day and I started speaking and I was a little off, but I got my groove back. You know, I got my groove and I, and I finished and I had so much engagement that day and a lot of people stayed after the class and talked to me and like nobody knew. Teddy didn't even know. As a matter of fact, Nanette was like the only one who knew and you know, Nanette, right? Yep. So people stayed, they engaged, they talked to me after my afternoon course, Nanette came running into my room and she just ran up to me and she grabbed me and she just hugged me and she started crying. And she's like, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. So after my last class and everybody had left, I stood in the room and I looked at everything and I looked at all the chairs and I just looked around and I said, it's okay. It's okay. This is what I'm supposed to do. And he like, I'm teaching him a lesson. I'm teaching him. It's okay. You know what? I truly believe, you know, everything happens exactly the way it's supposed to happen. And you weren't supposed to be home. And your son was fine, and he went through something extremely tragic, obviously, but survived. And, you know, that's the good news. Everything is good about that. Everything is good. And now he wants to be a first responder, and he wants to go, you know, so that actually has changed his life. Uh, as you know, of course it would, but I, and I thought to my, you know, I even had a conversation with him before I left. I was like, I don't want to leave. And he's like, mom, you have to go. Like, this is your job. This is what you do. I'm okay. You have to go. And that day I was like, yeah, this, I'm good. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And eventually I'm going to write a course and someday I'll, it'll be a keynote address about moms and the things we go through with our kids and surviving and, you know, the lessons that we learned, it's still very raw for me, obviously. And it's difficult, but I sent Teddy a long email after that. And I was like, I I just want you to know how much this meant to me. And I got back in the saddle. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is what my dad would have absolutely told me, right? You got to get, I got bucked off. You got to get back in the saddle. Without a doubt, don't we have to do that? Every time we fall, you got to get back up, dust yourself off, girlfriend. You know what? Your pants might be dirty, but get on the bike. Yep, get back up. Yeah, exactly. What's your favorite way to relieve stress? (sighs) (laughs) Okay, touche. Cheers. Touche. Cheers. absolutely perfect (laughs) no words necessary people and if you're not listening to the I mean if you're listening to this podcast and not watching it she's holding up a glass of wine and so did I (laughs) because it's just been one of those days right yeah no I so I live on I live at my happy place Uh, I have it almost an acre and three quarters and it's an oasis for me 
my back patio and the trees and glass of wine. I love to camp. I'm a mountain and a water girl. So we, we camp a lot. I'm 20 miles from Colorado. So we go up in the mountains and no internet, no phones and just. Yeah. Isn't it amazing how that just takes all the stress away? We had a boat and the same thing when, you know, when I got on the boat on Friday night, I just immediately took a breath of fresh air. And the reason that I was so happy is because once I'm out in the water, nobody can get in touch with me. So, and patients came to know that, you know what, Dr. Hanlon's gone for the weekends in the summer. If we get an emergency, we're just going to have to wait till Monday till she gets back home. <laughs> Take some ibuprofen. You'll be fine. Yeah, she's <laughs> not coming back for us. She's going she's gonna to be out on the boat for a long time. Got to do it though. We got to separate. Yeah, we do. And I think that during this, this last 12 or 13 weeks, it has been extremely hard for people, you know, working from home to disconnect. You know, I, I find it myself, you know, I, I have been in the office every single day and we were doing emergency care. We're now starting to ramp back up, but you know, I would be home continuing to do my research, continuing to write my documents, continuing to do policies and procedures and stuff on what we were going to have to do when we got back. to Right. Right. And you know, there was no line drawn. I I just kept working and working. Next thing I know, it'd be midnight, one o'clock in the morning. And you know, you gotta, you gotta stop. Gotta walk away. Yeah. People just need to understand that they do. They need to draw the line in the sand and we need that disconnect and we need, you know, sometimes you just need to watch TV, you know, really. And just let your mind just relax and, and not think and worry about stuff. So do you have a personal mantra or motto that you live by? I, I think for me, it's, um, it's integrity. I mean, it really truly is. It's that whole, if I say I'm going to do something, I've got to do it. Leaning into the discomfort. No matter what. Yep. Yep. That's good. That's really good. How about a guilty pleasure or a secret dream that you want to pursue? Uh, I've often, well, I don't say it to very many people, but if I, if I stopped dentistry or if I had to go back and do it, I think I would be an event planner and I would just plan parties all the time. Either that or my guilty pleasure is photography because I love life behind the lens, but I haven't been able to talk myself into charging people. Like, so I take all of the pictures for the football team and the basketball team. And I did a ton of senior pictures this year. I just, I find life behind the lens so interesting. So I, I would say something in that maybe. Those are my guilty pleasures and my secret little if I wasn't doing dentistry anymore, I would be either planning. Bonnie and I've said that a lot because Bonnie's an amazing cook. Like she could go on Hell's Kitchen. She's like super amazing in the kitchen. And obviously I could plan some amazing parties. So I was like, between the two of us, we could be event planners. Absolutely. And run a catering business, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It would be fun. Oh my gosh. It would be awesome. So when you're having a bad day, how do you regain your composure or do you not have bad days? Because your personality is so upbeat all the time. You know, maybe you don't have bad days. Oh, I do. People annoy me so bad. <laughs> I love that you're so honest about that. I mean, I think it's great. Um, I dance. Music. Music is my 100%. I'm either singing or dancing. Like sitting at my desk, I will sing, sing, sing. 
And sometimes I just get up in the middle of the day, I put on a four minute video and I just dance crazy in my office for four minutes when nobody can see me dancing like a wild person. And, and it's a complete and total reset. I make myself laugh. I'm cracking up, just laughing. And then I sit down, I'm like, okay, ready, let's go. Get back to work. Yep. No more writer's block, right? No, no, it's all, it's music. You know, I had to do a um, 25 minute video 25 minutes is almost harder than two and a half hours. 25 minutes is tough, right? You've got to get a lot of information, be engaging in 25 minutes. I seriously did about nine takes, which is so unlike me. And I finally, I turned everything off. I turned some music on. I went and danced. I ran around the house. I sang a little bit, got my crap together, pulled up my big girl panties, came back, sat in front, boom, knocked it out. Did it in, the, in one take. And then I was like, okay. So yeah, sometimes I'm just, you got to do it. I sing with my classes whenever, um, like when we're doing classes, waiting for everybody to come in, we do sing-alongs. And I get everybody about it and we're seeing um, like Sweet Caroline is one of the favorites. That's a huge hit. Everybody's seeing Sweet Caroline. And yeah, so we do karaoke sing-alongs during my courses. You know, it's a big song in Boston, you know. Of course, yeah. Yeah, Fenway Park. Well, I will be singing it um, in January. Is it January? In Yankee? The Yankee, yes. Yeah, I can't wait to have you. I can't wait to have you. It'll be so much fun. I want to come a couple, because Boston is my second favorite city in the United States. So I want to come a couple of extra days and, and hang out. And I know somebody you might be able to stay with if you oh, come. Oh, I would love that. I want to go to the North End. And yes, I just want to. You can to, walk from here, from here to the Oh North. my God, yes. Okay, I'll call you. We'll make plans. There you go. But it is the middle of winter, so you're going to have to dress up there, girlfriend. I love it. I love it. Warm, warm clothes because here in January, right on the water, man, that wind just goes right through you. It's just shocking how cold it can be, so. It's good. It's good. Well, I have had the most amazing hour plus with you. I love chatting with you. I love spending time with you, Lacey. And like I said, when we first started, oh my gosh, I, I could just tell I fell in love with you at the moment we met. So I, I just love your personality and, and how much you give when you're, you are presenting because people feel it. People feel it immensely. So Thank you for spending time with us. And I will be giving everybody that's listening information about how they can get in contact with you because if you are their cup of tea, they may <laughs> want to reach out. They may love me. You never know. Well, thank you for doing this. It's a good, it's a great thing. It's a great thing. And thank you so much for letting me be one of the first ones on. And um, I'm coming to visit in January. I'm staying at your house. We're going to go have some fun. Wide open, invitation anytime. All right, thanks, Lacey. Thank you so much for listening to the Women in Dentistry podcast with Dr. MJ Hanlon. If you like our show and want to know more about us, check out our website, thewomenindentistry.com, or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us for our next episode as we bring you another amazing woman leading the way for the next generation.